going to lie. When I first read this question, I almost pooped my pants a little bit because um, my first thought, like my first thought is I took it at face value, which was like, yeah, the secret code that is meaning behind um, what uh, bring Kaiser's name literally was to get rid of regulars. So when I first read it and, you know, I remembered Yuri saying that same thing to Bam, my first thought was like, you better not be trying to get rid of my best boy. Cause I'm like, I literally started like going through this whole mental dilemma when I was like, no, 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 no. Like this can't be happening to bam. And like, I actually got really nervous for a second. And then I stepped back and I was like, wait a minute, I am forgetting the one big keynote in all this. And that was for a second in my life, I almost downplayed my love for Yuri. And then I realized that Yuri is not only the baddest of the G's, but she is the best girl. And she will never do my boy damn, my boy damn, my boy bam dirty at all. And I almost had to hurt myself for ever forgetting that because my love for her will always reign true. And it may AOA, that's a triple play. New episodes of Kenway. Yeah. Yeah. Open your mind at the first gate. Press play, no need to debate. AOA, check me out. What is going on, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, people of all ages? Welcome back to the AOA show. I'm your host, as always, Ian, along with my boy Isaiah. Yo, yo, yo. And Gavin. What is Gucci Shoes? And today we are talking about Tower of God, of course, season two of the Webtoon, mm -hmm. chapters 196 to 204. If you did not catch our live stream yet where we went over these chapters, you definitely want to check that out. We also posted our reactions to the blog post that concerned these chapters as well. So you definitely want to check out that discussion if you haven't already, but here today, we are um, going to take a little bit more of a deep dive analysis on what we had read, make mm -hmm. some predictions, and talk about some some lore, all that kind of good stuff. And a big shout out to all the folks in our Discord server who voiced their opinions on the topics they that they wanted to hear us talk about. We compiled the top seven due to the amount of votes that they received. Um, and these are the questions that we are taking into consideration today when we have said discussion. Yeah. So let's hop right into it. Um, Gavin, how about you read us off the first question, if that's cool, and what we could go, you know, we could go in order from there, and then we'll okay, talk about it. Okay, okay. So number one we have by X Guerrera. Big shout out. All right. So what do you think of that blue, uh, the blue demon speech? His entire monologue was actually very interesting because he made several good points. Right off the bat, he started to roast Bam's desire to save everyone. Are your choices always right? Certainly not. You obtain your powers, thorn and souls, through the sacrifice of others. You may be comforting yourself, believing you have kept uh, you have kept everyone safe so far, but you have only stomped over those who were not chosen by you. All right. The justice that you dream of is, at the very least, not within you. What do you think of this monologue? What do you think about it? Interesting. Well, it's tough. Oh, wait, was I not supposed to read it? Or was I? Never no, mind. I actually I, read it. Oh, my <laughs> bad. No, no, because normally like, it's reading, so, so I was like, no, oh, did I mess that up? No, you go for it. Right. I mean, the camera's on you. Might as well. Yeah, no, fair enough. Well, it's it's interesting because in some, in many aspects, it's true with his monologue. Like, obviously, anybody who Bam has encountered, he has to overcome to, you know, make his goal into fruition. So, it. It's it's crazy when you look at Bam in taking these comments because I almost feel like a past Bam would have almost crumbled in a sense where he wouldn't have been able to deal with the choices that he has made to get to this point. And I feel like to some extent, you know, he still has that inner conflict where he's like, 
like what am I doing? Is it the right thing? Like, am I really crushing people? Like I, I just feel like for me, I've really seen the growth in that Bam being able to accept the choices that he's made and almost understanding that, okay, you know, this is X, Y, Z thing that I did. This is what I need to do. I know what I need to do. And at the end of the day, like I need to kind of live with the choices that I make and keep on moving forward with them. So it's, it's, ah, it's hard because it's almost like, in ways, I feel like it's true what he's saying because some of it is. Like, you can't just kind of put a big blanket on it and say that, oh, everything that this blue um, demon is saying is wrong because it's not. In a way, he does have to step over people to get where he wants to be. But the contention is not really do these people deserve to be stepped on, but what choices do you have to make that you feel are right? And is it like your obligation or is it? Is it correct that you're deciding that your choice is the right one in a sense? Like, I'm trying to think of a way to word this. This isn't weird, but it, it brings up a cool moral dilemma to a moral dilemma to Bam that I feel like you can't just write off. It's always going to be there. Bam's always going to have to live with it. And I definitely want to keep an eye on Bam moving forward in terms of how he's able to accept certain decisions when, you know, his when his back's against the wall and he has to really decide. Do I need to kill X person? Do I need to hurt X person? Like, what can can I, if I'm Bam, can I, Bam, make this decision right now to move forward? Or am I going to get stuck and, you know, cement myself into these really precarious situations that might put people in danger? And is that right or wrong or not? And what's that whole moral dilemma entail? So, you know, it's, it's very nice that SIU is introducing a character like this Blue Demon who's almost like, this inner conflict within Bam, who's like almost the good and bad devil where it's like, hey, you know, just don't like blindly look over the decisions that you're making. Like they do have repercussions on other people, even if they're bad people. And you're going to have to wake up every morning and face yourself with these decisions. And, you know, you can either brush them off and say, yeah, those guys deserved it. They needed it. I need to move forward. Or you really got to reflect on it and be like, okay, you know, moving forward with next people I meet, how am I going to you know, what's my dynamic with these situations? Am I just kind of move around? I mean, am I going to try to do things differently? Like, what is my decision as BAM, you know, in making my next decision to move forward, like, down my own path? So I am interested in seeing what's going to happen. I do like how they're bringing in this internal monologue conflict with him. I do think that there is reason to what the demon is slaying, although obviously it is shadowed between whatever... Um, desires this demon has which is obviously taking control over bam so take it with a grain of salt it is not all truth but there is a little bit of um there is a little glimmer in silver lining that you should that bam should take away and should especially for making decisions forward that will also impact other people so that yeah, is my two cents. absolutely yeah we we talked about this at length in our last discussion although not formatted in the same style of question but you know are bam's choices are they naive or whatever so I won't go too hard on my opinions because if you watch that last episode, mm -hmm. you could really get the full take on what my thoughts are on that, um, which, you know, the Spark Notes version is, yeah, Bam is is very fortunate um, because for the situations that he's in, and I don't discount him for trying to make those decisions, but it would be naive of us not to think that he has gotten some pretty lucky breaks in those terms of being able to save everyone because I don't believe it's going to be like that for all of time. So this demon within him is kind of pointing out the obvious at this rate, which is something that Bam might need here, and I'm glad he is hearing it. Um, although, again, like Gavin said, we want to take what this guy says with a grain of salt. We want to, you know, we want to form that yin and yang, right? Bam, we even read this in the blog post that SIU was trying to implement the 
the uh, the character of the demon into Bam because Bam he you know deems is like this very pure being right and it's like he's almost like too, he needs to give him some sort of inner conflict to to kind of humanize him right and I think this was a good way of doing it for sure um, and I you know I think that the monologue is very interesting but the reason it's very interesting is because at least in my mind we all in the back of our mind kind of know it's true, right? And it's like, you don't want to admit it, but, you know, in those choice and like, obviously this, the demon's motivations um, are definitely more aligned towards the negative. So exactly. it's like, well, why, you know, you should just stomp over people anyway. That's what you're going to do, blah, 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 which we don't have to take it like that. Um, we could be cognizant of that fact and then try and, you know, orient ourselves towards a path of, positivity uh, towards you know enlightenment or whatever but also keep it in the back of your mind that it's like you can't you there might be a time like i said last week where you can't save everyone there's not going to be this deus ex machina that's going to come down and just be like here take this ridiculous power so you can get out of this one by the skin of your teeth it's not always going to happen so he's going to have to so i think we see this and this is actually a question so i won't go too far into it but when uh wang Nan decides to leave and bam is like yeah go you know what I mean? Let go. And he has the flash of this demon in his head at that moment. And you, you know, you're led to believe in that regard that like Bam makes that decision says, go ahead because he knows that Bam is going to also be thrust into his own thing. He knows Wang Nan has to make his own, like his own commitments. He knows that, you know, he's not going to be able to save everyone every single time. And so he needs to kind of let them do their own thing. But I'm curious to hear your thoughts on it. Um, I think it's in my head, it's a little bit like, it's it's a little bit more about uh what one of the conflicts that I think is interesting with Bam's character is that is like his desire to save everybody, uh, villains included, right? Like it's one thing that Bam is like, Well, I want to save all my friends. It's kinda like, well, no shit. I mean, they're your friends. That's nice. But the fact that he would go so far as to be like, No, everybody is worth saving, even if, you know, we the viewers or other allies of his in the story deem said character is not worth saving. Uh, an example of this would be the test the most recent test they took on the Hell Train where Bam made it an effort and an affront to save every single person that was trapped or being thrown down the, uh, you know, like the pit or whatever, uh, regardless of their allegiance, whether it was one of uh, Joaquin's allies or one of his allies. And so what I think is interesting about this demon's monologue here is I think it's referring to that fact where one of the conflicts that I really like about Bam's character is the fact of, okay, I have to climb this tower and I have to ascend it like everybody else is, but can I do that in a different way? Everybody else is, is climbing his tower by, you know, stepping on top of people, uh, you know, throwing away lives at their convenience, you know, you know, you know, this and that. And, but like, can Bam do, can Bam do that? Can he climb the tower, but in his way, can he do it by saving everybody? Can he do it by forging friendships and alliances? And I think what the demon is calling into question here is the fact that eventually you are going to have to, like the way that he's going to have to look at like lives in a different way than he does now. And I think whether that means like one of the things that I think this current arc that we're in now with the, um, what's it the name hunt station um, is talking is like going to address is just that the fact that like if Bam can't be comfortable with taking a life or letting a life go when it's something, when it's like an enemy's life or when it, when he absolutely needs to, um, He's going. To, it's that's going to be the kind of decision that ends up costing him the life of one of his friends or one of his allies. So I think the demon is like, if you're, you know, call, like you said, like you know, you can use this to comfort yourself and call it whatever you like. But at the end of the day, whether you're letting a friend die or you're letting an enemy die, you have to understand and be comfortable with the fact that like you are letting a life die, and that sometimes the situ whatever situation you're in may call for that to be the most plausible scenario. And if you don't want to make that choice, or you can't accept that, like 
it might come at an even greater cost, like in your failure to come to terms with that. Really? So I I agree with that to an extent, but I do find one part of this guy's monologue interesting that kind of goes against the grain with, with that, with that statement. Um, And it's something along the lines I'm paraphrasing here um, that you are not the justice that you seek. Mm -hmm. And he says that you it's, it's, what does he say? I think it's in here. Your choices yeah, that's always right. Yeah. Certainly not. You obtain your power, sword, and soul through the sacrifice of others. You may be comforting yourself, believing you have kept everyone safe so far, but you have only stomped over those who are not chosen by you, yeah. which is interesting. The justice that you dream of is at the very least not within you. What do you think of this monologue? So I don't know. I find that interesting because it's not that I disagree with you necessarily because we do have pretty blatant examples of that, at least mm-hmm. in the most recent ones. But there are certain scenarios too where, you know, you get your people like your uh, Reflejo or your whoever, um, just to, you know, name one. And, um, you know, Bam is not necessarily diving um, to save those people either. And he definitely, there are some people where, you know, he um, he seems to be a little more angry towards. Um, and and I wonder if, if it was more, and this is just to throw a wrench at things. I'm not saying this is my opinion, but I'm just to provide a counter um, thing here. I wonder if, you know, Bam saving the guy with the big drill bit, uh, the mad dog, one of the mad dogs, uh, in that scenario was more of, I'm going to do this because it's in direct opposition of what Joaquin stands for because Joaquin said like you you know like screw that guy I've killed billions of people whatever and it's like you're scum you know knowing that you are such the visceral opposite like I'm gonna go for him or it wasn't again I'm not saying that's my opinion I'm just posing a question I'm curious to hear your thoughts in the comments on that um because last week I was I was very firmly in the mindset and I kind of still am that like bam would have tried to probably save that guy anyway uh in general but like I just that line I guess in this monologue trips me up because we know that this thorn this manifestation is seems to be this you know this inner machination in bam or uh, yeah bam's mind um i don't think it's fully that it's a co- totally separate entity than bam i think it is part of bam um especially indicated by the blog post saying we needed to give him that inner duality um so you know being that part of bam in a sense um is saying that i find that interesting and i think it throws a wrench into what i had previously thought last week. So I don't know. I don't know if anybody had thoughts on that, but I certainly don't. Again, I'm not saying that's my opinion. I'm just offering that as like a, I don't know, you know what I mean? Like throw that in the air. I mean, me up. I think that part of the monologue still kind of works with what I was saying, where like, again, if Bam is somebody who's like, I'm going to save everybody, like every a, a person, every person's life is precious to me. Just the fact that he was not jumping at the chance, let's say, to save someone like Ruffalo Joe. Um, who, you know, for all intents and purposes, was the bad guy or was the guy who was causing harm to Bam and his friends. or wh- Like, that's still a human life. That's still a life that Bam let go. So, I, again, my point here is that I think this demon is saying, like, again, sugarcoat it, call it whatever you want. Like, you are not giving it, dishing out the justice you think you are because by making these calls and deciding to go the path you're going, there are lives you're going to have to let go. There are people you're going to have to let die, whether they be, you know, on your side or not. But you have to, like, you have to be able to accept that. You have to be able to come to terms with that and call it for what it is. It's not this, like, self-righteous justice. You're not, you know, you are you are doing what everybody else is doing, right? You are, you know, climbing the tower. Like, you know, whatever that means. Yeah, yeah. I guess it's just interesting because I find the demon, uh, I don't, I don't find the like it seems that we frame it in the sense that the demon is like trying to teach a lesson exactly where it's like i feel like the demon is more like kind of hanging it over your like 
like making it more of like a dig at BAM. You know what I mean? More of like an insult rather than a lesson learned. And I think we're definitely, that's how we're perceiving it. And that's how BAM now is going to take it like, okay, let's take the things that he said and, you know, take them to heart. But I don't, I don't know. I don't know if the demon is trying to be like, hey, listen, like make sure when you're going forward that you're going about these things in this way. I think it's more like, no, this is what you are. So like the sooner you come to grips with that, you absorb people. That's what you do. You know what I mean? The better. Yeah, I I think it's, it's like, it's both, right? I mean, because mm. we've talked about this before where, like, so many anime use this trope of, like, confronting your darker side or sure. confronting your true self. And it's like, that's what this is. This demon, like you said, it's not this, like, s- uh, separate entity that's, like, trying to screw Bam over or trying to, like, like, this is part of Bam. So, like, you know, again, in that, if we're talking about that trope specifically, like, all the time we hit this thing where it's like, no, dude, I'm not just bashing on you to bash on you. Like, I'm a part of you. This is a part of you you need to confront and learn to deal with. But that in itself is a lesson, like, to, to learn. So, again, whether this dude is putting on glasses and writing on a chalkboard, he is still teaching Bam a lesson. This is a vital lesson that Bam's going to mm-hmm. need to know for climbing a tower in the future, which is, like, learn to own up to the decisions you make and, and call them for what they are, not sugarcoating them behind this false sense of justice or this, you know, this idea of, like, I'm going to do things differently. And, again, whether that actually happens is not the point. I think this demon, being a part of Bam, is trying to make sure... You know, or you know, maybe make sure and that's the wrong phrasing, but like is is indirectly teaching Bam a lesson, sure. right? Because if Bam can come to terms with this, if he can understand the word like again, you hear this thing, what it's saying, and if you take it at face value, it's like, oh yeah, he's insulting Bam. But it's like, no, I think there's a meaning behind the words that he's saying. And if you take it as an in, insult on face value, you're sort of failing to get like the the truth behind it. You're failing to get like what this thing is trying to actually like reiterate to Bam. So kind of. I feel it well. I don't want to harp on this question like too much for that for a lot longer. We'll but end I, it off with you then. Well, uh, so, so this this demon is obviously trying to take over Bam. It's the darkness inside of him. So, uh, I, I feel like ob- he's not trying to teach him a lesson. At the end of the day, he is telling Bam these things to hopefully put Bam in a negative state of mind to be like, okay, take over. Like this is like I feel like this is almost him trying to just put Bam down to rock bottom to feel like absolute crap to then make Bam succumb to his power to this get what he desires, which is to overcome Bam and his body and his state. That's that's kind of like what this power was introduced for. It's like the inner turmoil in Bam that even um, well, Thor said when he met him, he's like, yeah, don't let this, like when you meet him, don't let him take over your body because that happened to Jihad, and that's what changed everything. So, you know, indirectly, if Bam takes what he's saying and doesn't crumble, but then actually takes it like and learns from it, that is, bam, interpreting what this guy is saying and then applying it to his daily life and thus changing the route of his future and not succumbing to this power. But I feel like the intentions of said power isn't to make Bam a better person. It's actually to put him at rock bottom so he can then take over Bam and have him crumble in said, like, problems. So that's, like, kind of just my thought of it. Yeah, yeah, I don't think he's really trying to teach Bam. It's really he's just trying to knock him down a peg and be like, yeah, I want to take you over. Like, give, like, let me take you over. Let me have that power. Mm. And Bam's like... No, but I know what you said, and I am learning something from it, and I'm going to apply it to my daily life. But sure, yeah. That is it. For, um, any, for anyone watching, um, so long as it's not a spoiler, uh, or if you already know, but if you don't and you just had opinions on it, let us know. What, what, do you think the, what do you think the deal is with this? Anyway, moving on to the second question we have by Dor- uh, Dark North Emperor. Thank you very much. Um, thoughts on the temporary return of Jewel Viol Grace? Will Bam have to resort to this often in the future? How will this affect his efforts to leave Fug behind? Also, to add on to the above, 
how dope is it to see Shibasu back again flexing his brain? So, yes, it was awesome to see Shibasu again. He's one of my personal favorites, and I think a fan favorite amongst us as well. He's pretty awesome, so that was sweet. Um, the temporary return of Jewel Viol Grace was cool. Uh, you already watched our episode where Gavin and I almost killed each other over his hairdo, so I have to say <laughs> I do like I do like our bomb right now. I'm more of a fan. If we're going to compare Jewel Viol Grace personality to bomb, I'm a bigger fan of bomb personally, uh, so I could do without that, but I understand the necessity for it um, in the sense that the name that Jewel Viol Grace has behind him um, has the entire backing of Fug behind him. He has the entire backing of the citizenry that want Jihad dethroned um, and this tower changed uh, regardless of how that is changed. They don't even know what exactly they want to be changed about it for the most part. They just want it changed. Um, so I do think it is very important that he you know, is able to use that alias um to his advantage mm -hmm. or, or you know to benefit those around him right because it also it has this revolution they even mention it style effect where whenever he comes on scene jewel grace is known amongst these regulars as like you know to some a savior to some a slayer to some the devil right but regardless that name carries so much weight so i totally see why they introduced him and i think that yeah, I think that he could use this in the future again, potentially. Um, they might not want to outdo it because <laughs> there's maybe only so many times he could wear the wig and, like, you know, get away with that. But, I, again, I understand the effect. Um, and, and it, you know, how he, uh, you also follow up the question by saying, how will this affect his efforts to leave Fug behind? Um, they won't be the best, I mean, I guess. Um, he, he is on the run from them just in general anyway. Um, but I guess if you're talking about more of like a mental note of it or like I shouldn't need the the power of Jewel Viol Grace type thing, um, I could totally see your point there. And um, I don't I don't really have an answer personally in terms of like how it's going to, you know, how it's going to shake up. But I am curious to hear uh, your thoughts if you had any, Isaiah. Uh, I So I think uh, the Shibasu thing, yeah, it's, it's definitely cool to see Shibasu come back and sort of, you know, flex his, his, uh, his brain muscles as the team leader. Um, I do like the return of, like, Jewel Vial Grace, because, like, the thing is, Jewel Vial Grace and Bam are two sides of the same coin. So when, you know, I think it's interesting that, again, we talk about, um, you know, and this kind of leads into the second point of the question, where it's like, Jewel Vial Grace is not, it is something that's, like, separate now from Bam, right? This is a separate identity. It's a separate, you know, legend. It's It's its own thing. This is you know, he is, like, the Slayer candidate that's going to, you know, uh, help Fug and free, you know, all of the, the oppressed and, and, you know, the downtrodden from Jihad and the Ten Great Families. And so that innately comes with, like, a different set of, like, expectations and circumstances than, quite, than, than Bam wants, right? I mean, th that was part of his whole struggle when he was in Fug, you know, when he, like, was Jewel Vile Grace, w which was, you know, people coming to him and... and viewing him and putting him on this pedestal and seeing him as this God figure that he clearly doesn't want and doesn't want to be a part of and doesn't, you know, agree with. Uh, I mean, you know, it, there's a moment here where one of the uh, random citizens comes up and, you know, basically pleads with Bam to like, oh, you've got to uh, take down Kaiser. You Like, he's this crazy guy. Like, he's, you know, he's doing all these fucked up things and, and this and that. And Kuhn kind of like throws him down and gives him this like, you know, uh, tough, you know, tough love or whatever you want to call it, uh, sentiment, which is like, look, dude, your problems are your own problems, and you and just because like this X thing happened to you doesn't make it you know jewel by old grace or Bam's responsibility to fix them, and not in a as harsh a way, but Bam clearly shares similar sentiments where it's like I 
am not doing this like for all these people. I'm not doing this because I'm their God. I'm not doing this because I see myself as like the, you know, the almighty hammer to like be brought down on Jihad and his whole empire. Um, you know, at least in Bam's mind, it seems to be a much simpler uh, objective of like, I just don't, he, you know, fundamentally he does not agree with the way uh, Jihad and by extension, the 10 great families are running things right with all of the injustice that he has seen. But it's, I don't know. It, it, it's interesting to me because this story for me, at least much more now in season two, like I've had this idea rolling in my head of like the interesting duality here between someone like Bam and someone like Rachel, just to go real quick, is that like Rachel is somebody who is not the main character of the story, but like a hundred percent sees herself as the main character and like will not settle for having any other role that's less than the main character where Bam is the main character and is an essential player in this game, but does not see himself or does not want to be. So it's this interesting duality between somebody who is thrust in the middle and at the center of the situation, but doesn't want that attention. He doesn't want that power. He doesn't want that, that expectation, I want to say, placed on him. And so I think what's interesting about Jewel Viola Grace is it's, it's the flip, right? Jewel Viola Grace is exactly everything Bam doesn't like. He's this all-powerful figure who is the centerpiece of this organization, who is, for all intents and purposes, a, you know, a god in most people's eyes. And so I think what the idea of, like, is this going to make it harder for him to leave Fug behind? Well, yeah, I think this was one of the darkest parts of Bam's life, right? When he was in sort of the Jewel Vile Grace mantra and, and, you know, doing, you know, had to go through all that stuff. So to have this sort of, like, uh, you know, whether, I don't know how often it will end up coming back, whatever, uh, thrust in his face is a reminder, A, of all the things that he had to go through to become Jewel Vile Grace, but also a reminder of, like, what kind of presence and danger Fug represents and can present to him and the life that he already has with his friends and, you know, stuff that he, which is the life he wants. So I think it's going to be, again, weirdly reminiscent of the demon thing where I think, like, there's going to have to be some sort of, uh, I guess, like, interlocking or, or some sort of, like, way that Bam and Jewel Viola Grace, like, come to terms, these identities come to terms with one another, because if not, they're always going to sort of clash in this, you know, traumatic sense where, like, you know, Bam, ju just... I think there's there's a part of Jewel Grace that Bam needs to take away from that identity, but the problem is like there's a lot of baggage, right, and stuff that is also tied with that identity that you know he doesn't need to take with him. Um, but I, I do think it's interesting that like again, this isn't going to be something he can just kind of like shrug off and be like, ah, like you know, whatever that was a, a dark part of my life. Like you know, it's like no, this is a problem that or this is a thing you're going to have to deal with whether you like it or not. Mm. Interesting stuff. Mm. Gavin, do you have thoughts or no? Thoughts or thoughts? Well, I'll just go quick through the question. So, um, I mean, come on, dude. The wig, I mean, like, <laughs> yeah, refer back to Ian's fight that he mentioned. But, dude, I'm just saying, hey, I'm not going to lie. When we first saw Jovial Grace, all we did was compliment that man on his never ending drip. And every time we saw him, we're like, Bam's getting that poon. Bam's getting that poon. He's getting those ladies because he's looking hot and fire. And I'm just saying, He's been lacking a little bit. I, I haven't really seen him be like, bam, you got that drip back. Like, no, if anything, he has went down a peg. So that's all I'm saying. <laughs> I enjoyed it. And, you know, wow. he looked like a straight oh, savage. So, yeah, I, my boy, uh, he was such a savage. That is why I like Jewel Vile Grace. Like, I'm not going to lie. This whole, like, the innocent, like, sc like schoolboy, like, kid, you know, look like it's just something that you see so many times with the main characters. And I just want to see a man go crazy in hardcore, not give a f. f. And that's what he, that's what, that was his character as Jewel Vile Grace. I liked it. It was nice getting that wig back and seeing him in his almost former glory. I'm just playing. But, um, no, it was pretty dope. 
Um, for affecting Fug, Isaiah went Hamelonian and cheese on it. I'm not, I'm not beating that horse anymore. So I actually agree with everything you said. So copy paste that. Um, and Shibasu flexing his brains. Not only was it amazing, I miss my boy Shibasu, but my favorite moment of him this entire read through was um his contact of Kuhn in his um pocket, which was Kuhn, my love. <laughs> I thought that was the whole, most hilarious thing ever, and I respect my boy that much more because. He know Coons. He know Coons looking fly, and he ain't he ain't uh, waiting on him. So we got you, Shibasu. You're on, you're on me and Isaiah's team on uh, with Love and Coons. So I respect that. But um, yeah, I think that's all I got for that question. Well put, Gavin. Isaiah, you want to fire off the next question? Do you have it there? Or do you oh, want sure. one of us to get it? Better I can read it either, either way. No, I got it. No, you're good. All right. So the ne- the third question actually also comes from Dark North Emperor, which is initial thoughts on the name hunt station, the rules that allow the theft of names, and the missions to take Kaiser's. To t- the mission to take Kaiser's name, one of the top D rank regulars. Mm. Any thoughts? Um, I think it's I think it's cool. I think it's obviously, or at least you know, was very hearkening to me um, a parallel to like the system of the tower as a whole, right? With Jihad, the Tangrade families, and everybody else who's underneath them. Um, that's the you know, in a larger scale, that's the system that this name, or I'm sorry, on a smaller scale, being the n- the name hunt uh, place. Uh, it builds the same. It builds off the same kind of system, right? Where it ends up creating these people who are up top and have all the power, all the names, um, and then you have people underneath them who are, you know, they call them the no-named, who are direct servants to the people who have names because they're giving them this this name, which in in essence, in this station, is a power to have. And then there's just there's everybody else in the middle, and so. Obviously, the people who are uh, the ten, you know, whether we're talking about the ten great bosses, Kaiser himself, um, are you know directly inherit from that kind of authority and that kind of uh, status, whereas the no names don't. And I mean, we you know again look no further than the guy who uh, sort of like jumped on Kuhn and or Bam at the at that one moment uh, to see what kind of life or what kind of trauma I guess being a no name for X amount of time can induce and, and put somebody through. Um, I, d- I definitely think it's interesting that. There's, you know, cu- that coupled with the fact that the ten great families like are directly correlate with and, and work with and communicate with this station and and sort of interact with the system, um, kind of just creates this like perpetual feed, right? Of like the tower, jihad, and the ten great families want to oppose the system that they have on the tower, right? But like by feeding into the station and by sort of helping to supply uh, the no. The no, the no name hunt station with regulars and the people that they want to get rid of, it is essentially like a feedback loop, right? If they give these people, the, the 10 great bosses, the people, the, the named, uh, this like power, this false idea, right, that they are the ones in control here, um, it perpetuates the ultimate, like the long, you know, term goal that they want, right? And so I think it's interesting that Shibasu's idea basically was like, oh no, I'm not trying to like just scare the bosses out of hiding basically and like get these like, I'm trying to threaten the entire ecosystem that they've established here. Um, because I think it calls into play, again, if we're paralleling this, the No Name Hunt uh, ecosystem to the, the tower as a whole, um, the overarching mission of Bam and his team, which is like, if we can dethrone and, and de-establish the ecosystem here in this station, maybe there's something, like, maybe that is, in a small way, proof that the tower as a whole can change. So, mm-hmm. I think it's interesting. Yeah, I ditto those. I mean, th- my biggest thing was, you know, 
the connections between the larger thing at play here. This is like literally the whole jihad thing, but just on like way smaller scale. So those were my thoughts on it. I guess I was a little confused with like the whole no name thing, like just in general, but it's like more to me, like I understand, at least to me, it's more of like a symbolism thing, you know, where it's like, okay, they can technically function in their lives. It's not like they're like, like, I don't know. It's like made up to be, it's like, oh my God, I don't have a name. Ah! And then just, you know what I mean? Like they run in circles, like a chicken with their well, head I cut think off. it's like, if you don't have a name, I, I think if I remember correctly, the way that they state it is like, you need permission to exit. Like you can't leave the station of your own volition, mm -hmm. right? You need permission to exit the station, but in order to exit the station or yeah. be granted permission to, you need a name. So if you don't yeah. have a name, you are essentially like, that is the end of your, you're like, you're stuck yeah, there. yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's what I was saying where it's like, it, it's more than just, oh my gosh, I don't have a name that really sucks. It's that, no, you not only do you not have a, like you need a name to leave. Right. You know what I mean? The, so yeah, you're sub Yeah. So freedom. like the name is like, you could substitute name with like another thing. You know what I mean? Like if it's like, okay, they stole your whatever, you know, and you need X thing to leave and you don't have it, et cetera. So at first I was like, that's interesting. Like they care that much. But, um, again, I think it was more of like a symbolism thing in, in, in that sense. So, um, you know, came together and, uh, it'll be interesting to see where we go from there. I really don't have too many thoughts on it. I don't know if you do Gavin, but yeah, no, really same thing. It's an interesting sect that we're seeing in this tower that is just like isolated and doing its own thing and going through the rigmarole. And obviously it has ties up to the, the bigger fruit on the top of the tree. And it's just, it's cool seeing how like these ecosystems work underneath that kind of like fly under the radar, but not really of like actual society and just like, you know, how it manifests into its own entity in a sense where like people think they're hot crap and they're really not. And it's just, they're being manipulated again by the same people who they're trying to like almost sect away from and be their own power from like, it's just an interesting duality that's created. And I'm interesting to see moving forward, what other sex are we going to run across that are being manipulated the same way by higher ups? So, mm. you know, we'll just have to see as they move forward further along the train, but definitely is interesting. Yeah, for sure. So, uh, hopping into our next question, Gavin, if you want to, uh, take Ooh. that one away, um, and then tell us your thoughts. Away. What do we got? What do we got? So again, by dark North emperor kids on a roll, by the way, if anyone <laughs> wants to, first of all, if anyone wants to dethrone him, hit us with some fire questions because his have been very good so far and have gotten a lot of upvotes. So it is what it is. Number two, he's on the ball. This man is in every single stream. He is making memes. Like it's his job. Quite literally he's in there. So just saying, get, get there early, you know, get there, get there. And, um, you know, Expound yeah. your thoughts here so uh, Dark North Emperor can't steal them all. <laughs> yeah, you, you deserve a raise, and you're not going to get one because we can make you pay. No, I'm just playing. Uh, we love you. But we got thoughts on Wangnam separating from Bam's squad and an, uh, in an effort to hunt down Casino. Do you think it's a wise move to split up when Emily is able to manipulate the paths on the train? Ooh, oh, oh, ahead. you're throwing it right to me. Yeah. So <laughs> it's hard because I love my man Wang Nam, but like again, I feel like it's almost part of his character where he needs to split split off from the uh, split off from the main group to get his growth. Um, and this is the time where I feel like they're gonna do it because when not better when you're away from the group. Um, so I am curious what problems they're gonna run into because I mean, at face value, they're not inherently that strong of a team compared to everyone else. You know, they really don't have any ace up their sleeve. Like it's going to be interesting seeing how they fight, what is going to be their dynamic, how they're going to overcome these solutions and what sort of like power ups or Zenkai boosts are they going to get? Um, so definitely looking forward to see that. 
Did I answer that question though? Thus, separating. <laughs> um, <laughs> How you yeah. talk for a whole ass minute and not know what no, you're No, because it's one of those things where I kind of go on in my head and I'm thinking and I'm like, am I answering the question? But no, I How did. you turn up missing? So. <laughs> How do you turn up missing? Do I think it's wise move for them to split up? Um, I don't think it's a wise move to split up, although I, I inherently you're going to say no because you, like, we only know what we have seen from Wang Nam, which, you know, is a lot in terms of his personality, but in power rankings, like, yes, he has, you know, fought with Iwa. They have got a teamwork, but then again, she's not, again, traveling with them, so that's one less person who we've really seen him have good um, chemistry with in terms of fighting. So I, at face value, no, because you feel like they're just going to get their booty smacked, although you know they've been putting in that work and grinding, so they're going to, they're not just going to get, like, bumped off on the first level that they reach. So... I guess in a weird way, like in my mind, no, I don't think it's a good thing that they're, that they're splitting up, but they have to split up. So it is going to become a good thing just from pure context clues from the plot. So I guess that is how I'm going to answer that question. And with Emily manipulating pads on the train, I'm not going to lie. I'm playing the ignorance card. I completely forgot she could do that. And it kind <laughs> of actually makes me scared for my own um, well-being because that makes me feel like that. For, for him to put this in the question means that, A, this is going to happen, and B, their back's going to be against the wall, and C, some crazy crap's going to happen, and yeah, I'm actually kind of scared. So don't die, Wang Nam, and I know you're not because you are the prince of jihad. So. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I mean, so yeah, Gavin put that beautifully, but but breaking down the question again, thoughts on Wang Nam separating from uh, Bomb Squad in order to hunt down Casano. This is very important. This is the, you know what makes the man type thing, yep. right? It's like, I made a promise. I'm going to fulfill it. These are my comrades that I've come, you know, I'm not leaving behind. I know there is a bigger thing at play right now, and I would love to come and help you guys, but this is this is not, this is for me. These are for the people that have been with me since the come up, right? Like, these. this is the OG squad. Horyang was, like, one of the OGs along with Ark Raptor, Missang, the whole nine. Um, like, he has to do this, right? Not just for them, but for himself. Like I said, this is, like, his... His, his ritual, his rite of passage. And I don't know if Wang Nam would be able to live with himself if he had just skirted by on that. He made a promise he's going to fulfill it. So I totally understand why he's doing it, and I do applaud him for it. Um, and especially because Wang Nam, as we've seen probably eight out of ten times, is generally in over his head, you know, but, but chooses the S-rank mission, you know what I mean, in spite of that. Um, and generally through incredibly hard work, uh, great team synergy, you know, and resourcefulness <laughs> and, <good luck. laughs> and some good luck, he's able to, you know, get through these things. Um, it will be interesting now, like Gavin had mentioned, uh, being that they don't have, I mean, they've been split. They like, you know, SIU has been splitting them quite frequently. So he doesn't, there's always someone that he's missing that it would have been like, wow, that person would have been useful in this situation. So like, he's never at a hundred percent, but now that that bomb is not with him, um, that's definitely that yeah. definitely sucks because he was like their DPS uh, in their in their squad here. Um, so this will be interesting because I think, if I'm not mistaken, uh, correct me if I'm wrong here. This is like this is the first. I think this is might be, and I feel bad saying this, but like when they when they split here, this might be the weakest his squad is at. Like in terms of power level and everyone involved, um, as compared to some other times that he's been split with different yeah. people. Um, so I don't want to speak out of ignorance on that, and I don't want to discount some of the characters that he's with because, again, a lot of them have made, you know, great growth over the course of the story and have really proved themselves in more ways than one. Mm -hmm. But I guess it could be tough when you're comparing, you know, when we immediately now flip the story to like Bomb and Derosi, uh, like you know what I mean, all these people, and it's like. 
oh, yeah, that's a pretty big power scale. And they're going up against the devil's right and left arm. They're going against Casano, who, like, let's not forget, dude, like, throughout this entire story is, like, one of the most powerful beings within, like, the established characters that we know of. Like, this guy is ridiculous. Well, He's ridiculous. I, I want to add a little bit. Don't forget, Hot versus Casano at half Form. Like we're and he got his booty guapped, you know, and <laughs> it wasn't like some lighthearted crap. It yeah. was no, you sit down. I'm teaching you. You're about to die. Yeah, so like yeah. that's what I mean. And you know, Wang Nam by any means at this point, I still if he were to fight Hots from way back then where Wang Nam is now, I would still probably put money that Hots would beat him. You sure, know, and sure. now like oh, looking absolutely. up, we have Casano at full like Devil Man Crybaby status here, <laughs> and like Wang Nam who like in many ways seemingly hasn't grown like he's grown obviously but not to like what i would say is even at hot status way back when so like yeah. for me that just makes me all the more nervous where it's like he's gonna have to capture Casanova somehow for sure which for we sure. know was crazy and yeah. then all the other people around Casanova, he's, like he's it's, it's he's wild. gonna have to pull out the stunts yeah. as he usually does and it'll be cool to see um what he does but addressing the second part of the question we have do you think it's a wise move to split up when emily is able to manipulate the pads in the train um I mean, if you want the um, blunt answer, probably not wise. I mean, you know, I, I mean, that just goes for a general rule of thumb. Like, we're stronger as a group type thing. Yeah. Um, we know that this has to happen frequently in order to not have 38 characters on panel every single time we <laughs> go into a room. Yeah. Um, and also to, you know, progress the story in different ways. Like, we have to, one squad has to go and achieve this goal. One has to do this. And then their stories interweave. They're with each other for a little while. Then they split again. They come come together. Um, but, you know, a, a short answer, a frank answer to that is probably... Probably not incredibly wise. I think they're much stronger together. But again, the story does call for it. And like I said, this is something that Casano, or I'm sorry, this is something that Wang Nan can't just shirk to the side. He can't just do that. And the other characters are like, I believe you. I trust that you could do this. You have, you know, you have to understand which Wang Nan does completely. We have our own thing that we have to do that is equally as important, you know. So like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stay back to our own thing. Um, and Emily able to manipulate the paths on the train, I mean, is a big deal considering right now they're kind of holding Emily over Joaquin's head yeah. as like this, hey, you're, you're ours now. You know, you got to do this. So, yeah, that's really relevant. And they still have not only Casano, but Joaquin, lest yeah. we forget. You know what I mean? Who, who in the blog post, it was stated, can beat Bam in a one-on-one fight. Um, and it was just because of the grace of, of you know, whoever that, that bomb was able to beat him. So, interesting stuff. Um, obviously, we'll have to see where it goes, but I don't know if you have any thoughts. Uh, yeah, I am, to answer the question, I'm definitely, my thoughts are that I'm scared for Wang Nan. Um, not necessarily because of, like, the stuff you guys were saying, where it's like, I'm scared because his power level just doesn't quite stack up to some of the opponents that he might face, especially in the pursuit that he is. But I'm mainly scared because I don't think his mindset is in the right place. I think there's a lot of guilt that's playing on his head from the past, you know, quote-unquote failures that he's gone through. Mm -hmm. um, and I think there's a lot of conflict in his mind about feeling useless, about feeling like he doesn't quite fit in with the team because everybody at a moment's notice can put in, you know, like, here's my chip, this is my contribution, I have X power, I have X, you know, ability, what have you. Um, and really, Wang Nan, like, you know, to be honest, if you know, you can, I don't know, you can sugarcoat it if you want, right? But if you really sort of line up the, st the stacks here, like, Wang Nan has been mostly a burden, right? Whether it was like he was captured by somebody or he was confronted with an enemy and he w simply wasn't strong enough to put up an actual fight against them, what have you. Um, I, and I think, like, that coupled with, you know, way back with uh, Beta, the whole thing where he, like, almost died, I think he's 
he's dealing with a lot of like just feelings of like uh uselessness and and like he doesn't fit in like he's not able to like he's not going to be able to keep the promise that he made to his friends about bringing um Hor Yang back and so I think that you know not to mention on stacked on top of the fact that Howard Hune literally told him if he keeps traveling on this train like one of his comrades are, is going to die I mean, the only thing I think Wang Nan fears more than his death is somebody is one of his friends dying. So I think again, what scares me the most is that his mindset, in a weird adjacent uh, version of Bam's, is he's like, all right, I just like if I can't do that, like the I just need to find a way where I stop letting like stop putting my comrades in danger, or or because of my weakness, like one of my comrades dies. Where you know, again, I think it's hard to to say indefinitely if like staying with Bam Bam's uh, team or not, like if one of those would have been, like, the definitive right call. But I think, like, uh, what worries me is that, like, whatever situation he does get put in, it, it's, like, his mindset isn't in the right place. And I think it's just going to perpetuate sort of the, a lot of the mental problems and, I mean, not mental problem, but, like, uh, difficulties, obstacles that Wang Nan has had to deal with. And I think that it doesn't obviously help that, you know, again, in the question, I mentioned that something like Emily exists, which could, you know, completely fuck over that team at a moment's notice, um, or at the very least, that's something that has to be accounted for or watched out for, what have you. But I think, I don't know, I think, like, in terms of powers, I, obviously, the power scaling thing is an issue, like, you know, like you, you can't, you know, just tank, like, someone like Joaquim or, or what have you. But I think, I, I, do, I really do think it all stems from, like, the mindset, because I think in the altercation and Train City, we do see that like when Wang Nan in the right headspace, given the correct tools and the time, like can become, can be a pre can be an obstacle to somebody, right? Can be, I mean, do, I mean, granted this was with uh, Yiwa, but they both put up a fight against Casano and like who, you know, we're not to say that like if that fight had gone on, Casano would have won, what have you. Uh, but my point is, I think that Wang Nan and the mental place, the space he was in was a lot more, reliable let's just say than the one he's in now and i think where he's at now it, it puts into you know it puts his character in more danger than the i guess literal circumstances that they could be in so for sure um so moving on to the next question we have by ann 2005 thank you ann uh says as endorsey said quote bring kaiser's name is a secret code among the 10 families to get rid of the regulars what do you think about Yuri telling Bomb to bring back Kaiser's name? Was it intentional? Yeah, so this is interesting um, in terms of, of code here. And again, kind of harkens back to my point before about uh, there's more to the name than just, oh, no, he stole my name. No, like there's like a literal, there's like a big deal about that uh, in terms of what that is. I don't know yet. Um but yeah, uh, and Dorsey, being a smart chick, figures that out pretty quickly. And it is interesting that it's a secret code amongst the 10 families to get rid of regulars. Um, I don't know. I think, you know, Yuri telling Bomb to bring it back is what it is. She's like, we're, I'm, we're not supposed to know yet exactly what it is. Um, she's like, just make sure you do it. I don't know, Gavin, you look like you're chomping at the bit. So uh, educate not me. Not really. Um, I'm not going to lie. When I first read this question, I almost pooped my pants a little bit because um, my first thought, like my first thought is I took it at face value, which was like, yeah, the secret code that is meaning behind um, what uh, bring Kaiser's name literally was to get rid of regulars. So when I first read it and, you know, I remembered Yuri saying that same thing to Bam, my first thought was like, you better not be trying to get rid of my best boy. Cause I'm like, I literally started like going through this whole mental dilemma when I was like, no, 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 no. Like this can't be happening to bam. And like, I actually got really nervous for a second. And then I stepped back and I was like, wait a minute, 
I am forgetting the one big keynote in all this, and that was for a second in my life, I almost downplayed my love for Yuri. And then I realized that Yuri is not only the baddest of the G's, but she is the best girl. And she will never do my boy damn, my boy damn, my boy bam dirty at all. And I almost had to hurt myself for ever forgetting that because my love for her will always reign true. And it made me rethink this question in a different mindset, which actually is when she says this to bam, it is quite literally almost with that same meaning where obviously this is the code name to send regulars, you know, to go and essentially become part of that whole convoluted mess. However, as stated before, when they went on this journey, Yuri was saying like, hey, I'm gonna have to test you hard and you know, you're gonna have to get through this and I need to see it firsthand that you're able to. Now, she is literally using this code name, which has, you know, ties to the 10 great families and all and all throughout. But in her telling Bam, it's the same It's the same rigmarole that any other regular would be going through. They tell him to get this name, they go, and they try to get the name. That same, you know, in-between process is the exact same. However, at the end of it, Yuri is telling this to Bam with the intentions of Bam overcoming Kaizen. It's not with the intentions of, I'm giving you this code word because I want you to then you know, die or lose your name and become a whole part of that mess. Like that isn't the intentions behind her saying this. It's actually a test of Bam being like, this is the code word or the code name. You're going to have to do this and you're going to have to win. Like this is all stakes. Everything's out. You know, you better show, you better put your big boy pants on and you got to defeat this. So at first I thought of it with the mindset of, oh, she's trying to get rid of Bam. I'm done. And then I smacked myself back into reality and realized that this is just a test for Bam. And yes, there is, you know, he is going to have to really fight for this and it's not going to be easy and he's going to have to overcome it. So I think it is just the same code word with the same meaning. She's going to have to fight him, although it isn't with the intention of getting rid of him, as that code word is used for. It is actually for him to overcome all of those, that whole situation, and then, you know, beat Kaizen, ultimately. Mm-hmm. So, yes. Well said. Okay. Uh, so, I actually took this a little, I, I took this pretty literally um, in my mind. So, we know that, like, yes, the uh, the mission or operation to bring, to for Bam to take Kaizen's name um, is a literal test, right? Yuri's not letting them on the floor of death unless Bam does this. That mm-hmm. was the test that she gave them. So, like, yeah, there's the you know the literal test in that sense. But I think also if bring uh, bring Kaiz or what do you yeah, bring Kaizen's name bring Kaizen's is the name, pa- yeah. like the secret passcode that some of the that certain families use, uh, which basically means bring regulars to you know the station. Um, I think Yuri's implication of like I want you to bring me Kaiser's name back quite literally means steal Kaiser's name and bring it back here. Like, prove to me that you have what it takes to get rid of and dethrone someone like Kaiser, and then I will believe that you have what it takes to, like, go through the floor of death or triumph on whatever it comes, because she states in her, like, little explanation, she's like, I'm going to be especially tough on you. So I think she does believe that this is a near-impossible task to do, but, like, that's the point, is that Bam's going to have to be able to overcome near-impossible task if he hopes to not only get through the floor, the floor of death, but uh, obviously ultimately get to even higher floors. Yeah. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. For sure. Uh, Want to fire off the next question? Sure, man. All right. So next question we have comes from Smile Please. He says, now we know now we know why Ren wanted to get rid of Andorosi despite her being a legitimate princess in season one. He wanted to eliminate the rivals of the princesses of his family, the Lopoba family, which are Lyle and Sheila Jihad. 
Thoughts on something that was planted so long ago finally coming back? So he had a question uh, similar to that, which was uh, basically another like, oh, isn't it cool to see uh, Ran and Novik and, and th- that group uh, like get a callback or come back into sort of the, the main focal point here? Um, and I bring that up just because I, I something SIU, I, it's really nice to be able to like appreciate and really sort of get the, the full, you know, uh, brunt of these moments, right, where he calls upon something in season one, you know, way long ago, and, you know, whether you forget about it or it's, like, something that stays in the back of your mind, you, you know, move through and through, and, and then you get to a point where it's like, oh, wait a minute, like, that, oh, that thing connects to this thing all the way back here, and it, it's really cool to see that those, you know, A, that they're not, like, just things he planted that he just straight forgot and no longer have relevancy, um, but that, you know, it gives the world a little bit more breathing room, you know what I mean, in terms of, like, the lore and how expansive and connected everything and everyone in it feels, right? This moment, this thing that we saw happen in season one with uh, Rice Ball, you know, seeming to have it out for Anak and, by extension, Andorosi, which at first you're like, oh, okay, it's like, you know, he's just being a jerk to Anak, and because Andorosi's defending Anak, he's like, oh, you're the enemy of my enemy or whatever, Um but that, like, no, there's, a, you know, much like Tower God, you learn that, like, everything is connected to something else, and that something else, whether it's, you know, two panels away, five panels away, a hundred chapters, like, it, everything has, like, a, a, everything is connected, and there's this big, giant, you know, web of, like, people at the top that, like, trickle down to people in the middle and trickle down to people at the bottom, and it's just really nice and, quite frankly, impressive to see him weave this story through all those threads as consistently well as he does. Mm. Gavin, do you have any thoughts? Yeah, no. My echoing pretty much what Isaiah said. Very impressing, um, you know, especially being able to track it back because, honestly, that was a memory that I never had or never stuck with me, you know? Like, I never thought that, that like, when I read this question, or when, when we first saw it in the mono as we were reading, like, I had to do a double take when I was like, huh, what do you mean? And then, like, just the fact that it's able, like, when I like it when authors are able to slide in these little, like, Easter eggs that as you're reading it in the moment way back when, you might not pick up on, but then when they're referenced back and you, like, relook at that whole scene, you get that whole new perspective that is different from what you initially read from, and that is just a sign of great storytelling when you're able to go back and reread it and see things from a whole different light, and that's really just what makes any normal story great is when an author has an ability to do that, especially for one as much as a longevity as this has because he started writing this, what, in middle school or something like that? Like, for the amount of time that has you know, gone by since he's even referenced that point and for him to even remember it and then somehow tie it back is just, it, it's definitely um, a skill that he has and, you know, is able to really double down on. So I appreciate it. It's dope. We love you. <laughs> well, mm. don't move that camera off yourself too late um, because you could read our last question. By Playmaker. Okay. If Howard Yoon prophecy was true, who do you think would die? And how do you think it will impact the story since no major character has died so far? I don't like how you said no major character has died so far. Are you inferring that a major character is dying next? Because <laughs> it could have been a side character. Like, you know, unfortunately, unfortunately we lost um, Muntari. And, you know, that was a side character. And... Now I'm actually getting really nervous because you said, <laughs> like, that's the thing. I have this weird habit of dissecting the question and being, like, trying to really get in-depth, like, well, for Well, sure, hints. that's the fun in it. Yeah. No, it's not the fun in it, Ian, okay, because no, now no. I'm scared because you said main character, and I can't... Uh, 
Um, so you I had to pick minute? someone. Uh, uh, wait, so I need to pick someone. Yeah, I need a minute. I can't think. Okay. okay. Well, I think I don't want to sound mean here, but Who's it's dying. It's about damn time um, if somebody does. Oh, 100%. Because, yeah. To be honest, I've said it before. I'm like, all right, I'm only like. I'm only like 10 more times away of getting really annoyed here. <laughs> no, I'm like, I'm like, you know, there have been a lot of situations where it's like, oh my gosh, main character gets like a fist through their chest or like some wild stuff. And it's like, ah, they're back, like whatever. And like, fair enough, because all of these, you know, like I said before, I'm not downplaying that. I'm not, I don't think that's a bad thing because I think there's relevancy to why the character is there or why they're not or whatever. Um, and I don't think that there should just be in a death inserted just for a death. Um, there should definitely be a reason for it. Uh, so I fully understand that, but I, uh, you know, they've been alluding to this for a while now and we've had some close calls and like nothing has been solidified. You know, if anything, we've generally speaking, have been able to beat the bad guys and some of the bad guys have even joined our cause. Our team is like insanely strong. Uh, we go up against some pretty rad opponents. Don't get me wrong. Um, but we've been able to make it out relatively unscathed, all things considered, especially for how dangerous this tower is. So they can consider themselves lucky. So all I have to say is that if and when they do um, decide to axe a main character, that it is someone um, that, you know, it'll, it's not just like, Oh, we're gonna like they're like leading it up, and then they throw like I don't know. Cause don't get me wrong, it would suck if any of them. It's gonna suck when any of them die, and you'll probably you'll see our reaction. We'll be like, no, you know, I promise. But like if it's someone like I don't know, like if Prince dies or something like that, like I like Prince. <laughs> don't get me wrong. I'm just sorry I had to throw him under the bus. But that's just an example. Like if Prince dies, dude. Like, not trying to be mean, but, like, give me a couple panels and life goes on. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not, Damn. I'm not, that's me. Maybe I'm cold, but, like, as compared to someone like Coon, you know what I mean? It's like, okay. And I'm not saying that I want it to be, like, Coon or whoever. All I'm saying is that if they're pumping this up as a thing that's going to happen, like, this death better have some impact. And not just in the moment, because it will automatically, but, like, on the story as a whole or like maybe motivations and things like that are centralized around it. I always love in stories when they're able to kill a character, but have that character still be a part of the story in a weird way and in some way, shape or form, whether it's a direct influence on the motivations of other characters throughout, or if it's certain axioms and morals and stuff that that character had taught before. And these people trying to exemplify now, et cetera, kind of like Rowan, right? Like Rowan had, has had a significant impact on the story in death, right? She hasn't been alive this in the entire time we talk about her, uh, but it has an infinite, you know, a, a uh, big impact on the story. And I hope that whoever, whatever character does die, if they do that, we're able to get that impact past the, you know, the shock value of it. Um, but, wrapping up my point here, I think in order to do that, it's going to have to be like a more main character, right? Like it can't even be one of our sweet and sours, but like an offshoot. Like, I think it's gotta be someone that's like pretty close. Um, cause we've had some scares already, but in order to pull that off. And again, I don't think it needs to be inserted for no reason, but if we are going to take that path, I don't think we go halfway. I think, you know, I don't think we go one foot in the pool. I think we go balls out. You know what I mean? It's like, this is my choice. This is what we're doing. Bam. I did it. It's done. So I don't know. Those are, those are uh, my thoughts. I, I would assume the prophecy is true. I think in the blog post, again, we read that um, they don't know specifically. They're like, okay, this is the path. 
and going down this path will result in X thing. And I can't really tell you who it's going to be or how it's going to become a thing necessarily until we get closer to that. Um, but you could be pretty damn sure that's it's my word is, is going to be pretty accurate. So, you know, um, I guess we got to brace ourselves, put our seatbelts on and uh, get ready for a potential um, cry fest when it comes to some one of our next live read throughs. But um, I don't know if you have Are any you other thoughts. Cry? No, but I mean, you know, I'll watch Gavin cry. And that'll be that'll be interesting. So, oh, um, I don't know. Do you want to say something, then, Gavin? If you've collected yeah. yourself by that point, um, come back. I, so I, the problem with this saying, and I've had this problem ever since Halloween first said it, because it's not the first time she's brought this up. She brought this up way back when uh, Bam first aligned with Boro and their team. Um, is that my God? Is it fucking vague, bro? It's like <laughs> if you keep going down this path. A teammate will die. Okay. <laughs> I mean, like, that could mean that. I mean, that just means that somebody that's on our team will die. It could have been keep, <laughs> Yeah, if we keep doing this thing. Sure. And so my problem with it is sort of going back to the Wang Nan thing of, like, how were you told Wang Nan this? Now that's in Wang Nan's head, which has led Wang Nan to make this decision of leaving and separating from the team to go do X thing. Now, if Wang Nan was to leave the team and die as a result of getting in an altercation that he might not have gotten in had he stayed with the team, did Haruyun just telling him this now put him in a situation where he would die if he that didn't have to happen? Yeah, yeah. So, and it's like, it's this weird phrase where it's like, it feels like she's doing more harm by telling them this than not, because it's like, well, now every, every nigga's fucked up. We're all fucked up in the head, and it's like, fuck, yeah. any of us could die. And I don't, I'm not really an advocate for like, I hope they kill somebody soon, because I think if they can... Because I, I because I agree with the sentiment that like if you're gonna kill a killing a character should be a very finite thing and it should have an impact and should have purpose. So that being said, if you do it, it should make my concern is that it makes the most sense, right? So obviously not in favor of like killing a character just for the you know the oh fuck so so and so is dead. But so I, I don't know because I, I think like again done correctly, if any of the characters we know in the core team here, so sweet and sour and Bam's team die. Um, I think it could work. Again, this is, you know, done correctly. Um, I do kind of think that just because, you know, my my critic brain here, separating from the story, that, like, our, our main three, Bam Coon, or Bam Coon and Rack, are probably fine. Um, so that is referring to anybody else there. But, I mean, that still includes some pretty pivotal players in amongst the group here. Um, and so I'm interested... I don't know. It, it just, I, it makes me, I'm like, to be honest, like uh, anybody that's not Bam, Coon, or Rack, I think is on the table as far as getting axed. But my concern, I guess, is I hope that, you know, and I mean, I'm speaking about a story and a, a decision that's probably already been made, at least at the time of us having this, you know, this video in reference to where the story is. But I hope that like the decision to ax off said person wasn't like, man, we've gone a long time without somebody dying. Like uh, we got to kill somebody versus like, the story that I've threaded and plotted out, like this character has to die in order for this story to keep going where I need it to go. Mm. Gavin, have we uh, collected ourselves yet? We have collected ourselves. I was like trying to find, cause there's like, um, there's a line in the song that I like, I think it's by earth gang or something. I could have sworn it was in blue moon, but it's pretty much along the lines of like, 
It was, like, really quick, but it was, like, don't date an anime, like, waifu because, like, at the end she'll just want you to die because, like, they, they just love the death of characters for the thrill of the story because, like, sure. it's able to build. It's like what you were saying. Just, like, if you're able to apply the death of someone so well, it just makes that story so much better. And, like, it was just on the back of my mind that I couldn't find it. But I do echo your thoughts, and I feel the same way. Like, nothing makes me more sadder and almost happier for the story presence when a main character dies because in that death, in that death evoking so much emotion out of me makes me not only appreciate the work so much more but it is a visceral sign that the author is doing something correctly to then a make me so emotional and get that emotional response out of the outlet in which i'm reading so it's actually more of a sign of respect when you're able to get me so down in my feels and that's why i actually look forward to it although i don't look forward to it at the same time because i don't want it to happen although i do need it to happen because i do share a lot of sentiments that ian has if i was to guess or predict someone dying it would have to be um I would say somebody who is on Wang Nam's team specifically, mm. especially if it's upcoming, um, because I feel like if, you know, Wang Nam is Prince Jihad and, you know, needs a power spike, the, how the, the fastest way to get a big power spike is to have somebody close to you or next to you die, and he is going on the train, and there is that probability. So in my eyes, who is that group? Me Sing Prince and Ark Daddy? Are those? Maybe, yeah. I think I, am I right, Isaiah, or do you not really know? Uh, who's going on the train? Who's going on the train with not Wang Nam? It's Prince, uh, Misang, Ark Daddy, Wang Nam. Is that the four? Prince, Misang, Ark Daddy. Yeah, yeah, something like that. So I feel like it's out of, out of them, you know, you barring Wang Nam. So I would probably wager Ark Daddy. That's my guess too. It, if it like, were out of them, if it were out of them, because I just, I mean, it could be Misang or Prince, but I feel like SIU wouldn't kill Misang or Prince. I don't know, just because they have such like a young presence in the story, like yeah. in terms of like age, you know? Yeah. And I feel like that'd be well, balls if you just it, like <laughs> axed Misang. You know yeah. what I mean? He just like decapitates her on panel like some crazy shit. You'd be like, what the hell? Like, well, what's wrong with you? Misang was my first thought out of her and Prince, <laughs> really? actually. But then I thought about it and I was like, if Ark Daddy's there, I have a real feeling it's him. Because yeah, you know he's going to throw um, himself in front of whatever. It's going to harm the kids. And that's, that's what's going to make it hurt more because yeah. you know he's going to be that selfless-ass dad yeah. who's going to hop in there to save the day, ultimately get iced, and <laughs> Wang Nam's going to have to stand there with, you know, literally dead Ark Raptor in front of him and be like, well, I pooped myself. Now I need to put on my big boy pants. <laughs> and that's if there is a death being insinuated, I feel like it would have to be through that team. And if there's more than that, then you are really going to see me uh, punch a wall. So let's <laughs> hopefully not get to that point. So, yes. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> Anyway, folks, those are our thoughts on um, the chapters that we went over. Again, thank you to everyone in the Discord that expressed their opinions and thoughts. And thank you to everyone who voted on the questions that they most wanted to hear. Uh, really goes a long way and makes our life much easier in terms of our talking points. <laughs> so in, in general... Keep doing what you're doing. Really goes a long way. But, folks, if you enjoyed the content today, please make sure you guys are liking, subscribing, hitting that notification bell, sharing with your friends, and commenting your thoughts down below. What did you think of today's discussion? What did you think of these chapters in particular? And what are your thoughts on Tower of God as a series? Make sure you guys are referring to our description where we have links to all the different ways that you could support the channel, whether it be our merch line if you want to rep some AOA swag, whether it be our Patreon if you want exclusive benefits to the show while also directly supporting us, if it be our Twitch link when you want to catch us go live, on Twitch at the same time as YouTube, whether it be our social media, whether it be our audio-only platforms through things like Spotify, etc. These are all ways that you could help support the channel in any which way. And of course, join that community Discord, which we also have there as well, so you can voice your opinions like these folks have. You could chat with some of the brilliant people in our ever-growing community. Really proud to have you guys there, and we would love to have you as well if you're not part of the gang already. But until next time, thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for watching. We'll catch you on the flip. Peace. Peace. Later.
Bankai. We just some ghouls though, who like seeing parts fly.